Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, as we continue the series of messages in the Gospel of Luke, we entitle the series in Luke, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. We see him continuing to demonstrate that reality throughout his ministry now in the region of Judea as he continues to move in the direction of the cross. Some of you remember a few years ago, um, someone who wrote a book entitled 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. Some of you weren't born yet, but some of you remember that. Uh, Well, he realized his error, the author of this book, realized his error in making that prediction, but wrote another book the next year entitled 89 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1989. And of course, he was wrong again. And so in spite of the fact that uh, Jesus uh, made it very clear that only the Father knows the day of Christ's return, and in this passage we're going to read in a few moments that it will be at an hour we do not expect. Some uh, continue to make um, these predictions about the return of Christ. Uh, someone uh, then after this fellow said he would return in 1994, and then another a few years ago I made the prediction he would return in 2011. They just don't get it. When he said no one, he included them. He meant no one. But in spite of these false predictions, uh, the doctrine of the return of Christ is a very clearly taught subject and topic in the Word of God. Just as certainly as he came the first time, he is coming again. And even as we celebrate, uh, we come together to uh, each time to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Jesus Uh, tells us that we are to uh, celebrate this supper until he comes. And he made that very clear to his disciples as he descended back into heaven, that he would return. Now we've been hearing Jesus as he's addressed the false religion of the Pharisees. He's dealing with their, dealt with their hypocrisy, with their greed. Uh, And uh, again, in this um, passage, we can see him continuing, but moving in this direction to Uh, the matter of the return of our Lord. Uh, One pastor said the theme of Luke 12 that we've been seeing now over the last several weeks is the subject of stewardship. Uh, And you may wonder about that in relationship to this passage, but in verses 1 to 12, he deals with the stewardship of the gospel. As believers, we all have received the gospel and are responsible for investing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel in the lives of others. We are stewards of the gospel. In verses, uh, uh, again, 13 to 34, we saw the stewardship of possessions. Uh, We've emphasized the fact that we own nothing. We are stewards, managers of that which Christ has, has entrusted to us. So in this chapter, or rather in this passage beginning in verse 35, We're going to be seeing the stewardship of time, specifically as it relates to the return of Christ and how we are to use the time as stewards of it uh, remaining until Christ's return. So with that in mind, would you stand with me, if you're able, as we read this passage, Luke chapter 12, we're going to begin reading with verse 35 and read through verse 48. 
Luke 12, verse 35, Jesus said, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may be open to him, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in, in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know and yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him much will be required and to whom much has been committed of him they will ask the more. And from this message, I'll bring a message entitled, Are You Ready for Christ's Return? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for these wonderful words concerning your return. We thank you, Lord, that you've made it very clear to us that you are coming again. And you tell us, even as your children, to, to watch, to wait, to, to live in expectancy of your return, to serve faithfully until you return. And Lord, I pray that we will be about your business. As you said, occupy, do business, your business, until you come again. And I pray, Father, that you'll speak to our hearts from this passage today, enable us to imply, apply these truths. Lord, I pray that you might speak to those today who do not know Christ, awaken them uh, to their need to repent and to surrender in, in faith their lives to Christ. Uh, Lord, today even, I pray you'll speak to them of the importance, the, the essential that they repent and come to Christ in faith. Lord, I pray uh, again for those who are your children that again, we would, we would redeem the time knowing the days are evil. Uh, Lord, may, may bless this time we have together as we examine this passage. We pray it believing in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. So again, in this passage, the, the Lord Jesus is instructing us uh, instructing his disciples 
and instructing us today as his church on uh, the importance of stewarding, being stewards and good stewards and managers of the time that he gives to us until he comes again. Now, this message is not going to be a message so much about the, the timeline and, and the, uh, uh, the various aspects concerning when Christ is coming or concerning the various uh, 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 calendar events, so, so forth. I heard a pastor who said, uh, you know, I, uh, he heard a young man preach on this uh, passage as a young pastor, and he said he laid everything out so carefully and prophetically as to how everything was going to fit in place. And, uh, and the pastor, uh, the, an older pastor was present when he preached that day and following. And he said, uh, he said, you, you know, you kind of sound like you're on the planning committee of Christ's return. And uh, he said, you know, um, he said, I used to be on the program committee. He said, now I'm on the welcoming committee. And I believe that is to be the attitude of every child of God. We are to be on the welcoming committee. We are to live. And I believe if, uh, uh, when it all boils down, when we think about the return of Christ, we know the word of God says he is coming. And, and our responsibility is to be ready when he comes. And I believe that's what this passage is teaching us today, what Jesus is teaching us. So as you think about that today, again, how, do we, how can we be ready? And what are we to do to be ready for Christ's return? Well, let me mention primarily two matters, and then we'll look at several things under them. First of all, in order to be ready when Jesus comes, live in expectancy of Christ's return live in expectancy of Christ's return. A couple of a few things I'll say about that. First of all, notice from verses th uh, 35 and 36, stay alert and prepared for Christ's return. Stay alert and prepared for Christ's return. Again, uh, as we see here in verse uh, 35, Jesus said, uh, as it's translated in New King James, let your, your waist be girded. And you, uh, you may have a translation that says, you know, let, be, be ready, be, be uh, dressed for action. And again, uh, in this culture, uh, a belt was worn around the, the waist, and uh, uh, the purpose was not to hold your pants up, because again, they wore long, for the most part, robes. And, uh, and so the purpose was the idea of girding your, uh, uh, yourselves for, uh, for action was the idea of, of taking that, the corner of that garment and tucking it in uh, in your belt so that you could move quickly because otherwise you'd get tripped up on your gar with your garment your 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 robe so to speak and so uh, so they would uh, uh, tuck that in and then they'd be ready and that's exactly what we see as we see the, the putting on the whole armor of God the very first thing mentioned there in Ephesians 6 is the the belt of truth and so it's that it's for that purpose uh, and so what he's saying to us in this passage you're to be ready you're to be ready for action as you think about in preparing for uh, the return of the Lord. Uh, uh, William McDonald said the girded way speaks of a mission to be accomplished. And that's exactly what this person is doing and what we're to do as the people of God. We're to be ready because the Lord Jesus is coming and we're to be ready for the action and ready to impact the world with the gospel uh, as the Lord is coming. And then the second part of that is, the, uh, is the, the lamp. He said you're to have your lamps lighted. You're to be ready uh, for the master as he returns, the Lord Jesus as he comes. And again, uh, this, McDonald says, speaks of a, a testimony 
to be maintained. We know, of course, they didn't have uh, lights on. They didn't have electricity. Uh, they didn't have street lights. And so if they were uh, anticipating someone coming, perhaps a guest at any time of the night, maybe you've been uh, at that point when you had someone coming late at night, you didn't know exactly what time, you left the light on for them, right? And so that they could see to get in, but, all, but, but so that you could see them as they came in. So the idea, again, is, is being ready uh, when, the, when the Lord comes and, and always prepared and ready so that you might see, so you would be seeing and, and, and always alert and ready. And then on into verse 36, he move, moves to another analogy here as he speaks of the wedding. He says, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. And the Jewish custom for the wedding, of course, uh, was that the groom would return uh, to his home with his bride after receiving her from uh, her father's house. And, uh, and the, the feast could last for some time. We, we think about today our reception right after the wedding, and it may last a couple hours, but uh, you, you fathers of brides should be grateful maybe today that they've changed the custom, and at least we don't follow the Jewish custom, because the, the uh, feast then could last several days or, or a week. And so those servants back at the house waiting for their master and his new bride wouldn't know exactly when he would be coming. So they said, you, you uh, need to be ready. You need to be on the lookout because he could come at any time and you need to be prepared and waiting for him and anticipating his return. And you see the analogy there to us. We, we, are, we don't know exactly when Christ uh, is coming, but we're to be watching and waiting and prepared when he comes as his servants and, and, and as, as the these would serve their, the, the, the groom and, and his bride. Uh, we are prepared and waiting, looking for Christ as we serve him, living and waiting in expectancy. Peter, I think, captured that idea in 1 Peter 1.13. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, referencing there the return of Christ. So again, we are to be living in expectancy of Christ's uh, return, waiting for him, uh, serving him, witnessing for him, uh, and investing our lives and the lives of others with the gospel. Uh, so again, we are to anticipate Christ by uh, staying alert and being prepared for his return. But secondly, notice we're to, to, be, uh, to be ready and prepared. We're to anticipate the blessing from Christ when he returns. We see this in verses 37 and 38. Again, he says, blessed are those uh, servants. Sounds like the Beatitudes, of course. Blessed or happy or to be congratulated is the idea of, of this language. Uh, why? And again, he goes on to explain that. He said, uh, whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down and eat and will come and serve them. So again, the, these servants and, and picturing us as believers, servants of Christ who are coming, just like those servants who are waiting on their master to return with his bride, we are watching and waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he says, those who are watching and waiting and ready when he comes and are not caught off guard, they're in for a big blessing. They're in for a great blessing. 
uh, surprise. And, and what is that? Notice what he said. Imagine this now. Imagine that, that, uh, that brand new married uh, uh, bridegroom with his bride coming home, finding these servants there, and, and they're awake and they're alert and they're, they welcome the master of the house and they're so glad to see him. They've missed him and they welcome him, welcome his new bride. And, and what does he do? Uh, does he send him on to bed? No. He says, hey, sit down. Sit down right here. And, and he then begins to serve them. He begins to serve these servants. Now again, this is a picture of our, our, our being met by the Lord Jesus. And even as, we, as he takes us home to him and we enter into his presence, the Lord Jesus serves us. What an amazing thing. That reminds us of what he did for his disciples uh, at, uh, in John 13 when we write, read there the account of Jesus uh, at the Passover meal and the establishment of the Lord's Supper. And what does he do there? The Bible tells us he, the Lord of glory, the creator of the universe, the one alone who deserves to be served. What does Jesus do? He girds himself. He gets down and he washes the feet of his disciples. You remember how Peter reacted? No, Lord, you can't wash my feet. And, and, and Jesus said, if I, don't wash you, if I don't wash your feet, I, you have no part of me. And he said, okay, wash me all over. Uh, and we will be, don't you know, we'll be the feeling the same way. Lord Jesus, we don't deserve for you to serve us. We want to serve you. But again, what does that say? It speaks of, of the eternal humility uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he is fully God, deserving to be served, only, the only one deserving to be served, he will always be a, a, have the spirit of a servant. What should that say about us as his children and about our attitude? We too should have the spirit of humility and serving. But the Lord Jesus Christ, even as we, again there in John 13, 5, he says, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he wrapped around him. Again, Jesus Christ, creator God, worthy lamb, the only one deserving to be served will once again serve us when we reach heaven. Notice verse 38. By the way, Bingle, a German uh, Bible scholar, said he believed this was the greatest promise uh, in the word of God to, to, to think about that. But in verse 38, he, he talks about this, how we're to be ready when he speaks of the second watch, which was from 9 p.m. to midnight, the third uh, watch, which again was from midnight to 3 a.m. So what he's saying to us is no matter when the Lord Jesus comes, we are to be ready. We are to be watching, anticipating his return. And then thirdly, he tells us in order to continue to live expectantly for our return uh, for the return of Christ. We should always be looking for Christ's return. And again, in verses 39 uh, and, and 40, he, he describes this when he says, but, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would, have, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not Expect so again. He's changing the illustration again. Before uh, the um, the Lord Jesus is uh, is there the uh, the uh, the one who's coming and to the house. And now he's speaking of the Lord Jesus uh, using him as the illustration here of a thief who comes in the night. And the scripture uses this in other places. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, for example, uh, where again, Paul says by the Spirit of God to the believers there in verse 2 of First Thessalonians 5, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief 
in the night. Now, I don't know if you've ever been, uh, had your home broken into uh, or you've been burglarized, but I, I have a feeling that if you've ever had that experience, you did not get a note left on your door. You didn't get a, a, anything in the mail. No one sent you an email or a text saying, I will be planning to break into your home on such and such a, a day and such a time. And just wanted to make you aware that I'll be burglarizing you during that time. So if you will, have things out for me and, and have them ready because I'm coming. Uh, don't think that would happen, right? If that did happen, he's saying, then what would the people do, the homeowners do? Well, uh, if, uh, if you didn't have a big dog, you would probably borrow one from somebody, right? Or maybe you would even have your gun loaded. Or, or you might even say, well, I think I've got time enough to put in a, an alarm system or I'll be sure the one I have is on or whatever. You would be prepared. Well, again, the point is, is that we should always, as we think about the return of Christ, always be looking, always uh, be ready. Uh, McDonald says, again, when Christ comes, believers, and again, think about this in relationship to the stewardship of time. He said, believers who have laid up treasures on earth will lose them all. And, and he said, in other words, you, we're told not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. But he said, those who do so will lose them all when that, uh, at that point. But he said, if we are really watching for Christ's return, we will sell all that we have and lay up treasures in heaven where no thief can reach them. So again, the point of what Jesus is telling us in these parables, these illustrations, again, is be ready. We're to live looking for our Lord's returns. Titus 2.13 says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, pastor of the, uh, of the uh, is it Metropolitan, Metropolitan Tabernacle in London? He, he uh, used the analogy, and Kathy, where's Kathy? I thought about you on this one. Uh, he, uh, he, he, had, uh, he, he said he used his dogs to uh, illustrate uh, how we should be anticipating uh, our Lord's return. He said, uh, right now, he told his church, while I'm preaching to you, he said, my dogs are waiting for me at the front door. And he said, and the moment they hear my carriage wheels approaching the house, they will begin to lift their voices to welcome me home. Now, some of you know something about that. Jerry Clower used to say, you ain't never been loved till you've been loved by a dog. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but, but Spurgeon said, he said, oh, he said, oh, if we loved our Lord as dogs love their masters. How we should be waiting, always waiting, until at last we should see him. Now, maybe some of you don't appreciate that illustration, but just think about that. Think about that expectancy, that spirit of expectancy. That is how we are to live. That is how we are to anticipate looking, living, looking with expectancy, anticipating our Lord's return. And, and so again, we are to live expectantly uh, and, 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 and with that, that spirit of preparation for our Lord's return. But secondly, at beginning, there's a change taking place there, beginning in verse 41. And the second thing I want us to see as we think about being ready for Christ's return is to serve faithfully, serve faithfully as you await Christ's return. Beginning there in verse 41, uh, Peter uh, interrupts, in a sense, the Lord Jesus, and he says to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? 
And as Jesus often did, he answered Peter's question with a question. Jesus didn't obviously get distracted. He answered the question, but he answered it with, a, with another question. And, and, uh, and so we're going to see that really in, in a moment because he begins to address this aspect of, of who, uh, who he's speaking this to. Really, in a sense, the answer would be yes. Uh, but notice, first of all, that as Jesus uh, deals with this and tells us to serve faithfully as we anticipate or await his turn. Secondly, first of all, faithful servants, faithful servants manage their Lord's resources and will be rewarded upon Christ's return. Uh, so again, who the, the Lord Jesus is, is, is going to uh, fa- reward those who are being faithful when, they, uh, when he comes. And uh, those are the ones that, that's who Jesus is speaking to here. And uh, notice uh, he, he begins to address that again in, in, uh, in verse 42. He said, who is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household and give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So again, uh, Jesus uh, indicates that, that he was addressing, first of all, those who were stewards. And we talked about that last week. Again, remember, with this, the theme here is stewardship. Uh, what is a steward? A steward is one who owns nothing, owns nothing, but manages everything for his master. And again, that's us, right? We own nothing. We don't own our, uh, we don't own our uh, money or our possessions. We don't, uh, we don't own our time. Uh, we don't own anything. We are just managers. We are just stewards, and we manage that for Christ. So he's describing this one who is a manager, and, uh, and again, we own nothing, manage it for Christ, uh, everything he's, he has entrusted us. And, uh, and again, we, we do so uh, because we, we want to invest into eternity because we want that to bring God eternal glory, eternal honor. We want it to, to bring him glory for eternity. And that's true, again, whether it is our treasure or our finances or possessions. It's true whether it's our time. We want Christ to be honored in our time. Again, we are stewards of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. We are to invest that and the truth of the word of God into the lives of others. So we are merely stewards of these things. And so this is who the Lord Jesus uh, considers a faithful servant. And in verse 42, again, our primary responsible uh, responsibility, notice what it relates to again in verse 42. Look at that once again. He says, who then is that faithful and wise steward or manager whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion in due season. Now, what is he talking about here? Again, our primary responsibility has to do not with possessions, although that is certainly a part of it, but with people. Again, even when you think about possessions, what are they for? We're there to be used to invest in eternity, for, for, to invest that which lasts forever. The Word of God in people is that which lasts forever. And we, and we invest the Word of God into people. So it's people that are the, the, the real focus of our ministry. We're, again, we're, we're feeding people. As you think here about the servants feeding people uh, here, as you see it in this passage, what are they feeding them with? Primarily the Word of God. They're investing the gospel into the lives of people people. 
uh, so that people can grow or they can first, they can come to know Christ through repentance and faith and the Lordship of Christ. Or if they are, they do belong to Christ so that they can grow in discipleship and according to the Great Commission can make disciples who will multiply and make more disciples. And so that is uh, what these stewards are doing with what has been given to them. They are investing the Word of God into people. So again, what are we doing while we're waiting on Christ's return as faithful stewards? We're pouring into people. That's what we're all about. We're in the people business. We're not, in pro, we're not about programs. Uh, we may use a program if, it, if it's a blessing to people, but we're in the people business. That's what the business Jesus is in. And, and that's what we're doing. That's why, we have a, uh, that's why we have the one another's in Scripture. We're, as we're waiting on Christ's return, we're fulfilling the one another's. We're loving one another. We're serving one another. We're encouraging one another. We're building up one another. We're honoring one another. We're accepting one another. It's all about the, the one another's. That's what we're doing while we're waiting on Christ. And he says, if you're doing that, then, then happy are you, blessed are you, congratulations. I remind you, what did Jesus say to Peter? After his resurrection, after he'd failed him, he'd not had that, this time of meeting with him, but, but he, uh, he, Peter, after, uh, there on the shore, on, on second thought, I believe he had already had, had that time of, of, of meeting with him to assure him of his forgiveness, but on the shore, uh, uh, there, as he saw, they were out on the water, he came in, and you remember what Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? He asked him that three times, and Peter said, yes, you know, Lord, I, I like you. And, uh, and, and finally, uh, but each time, how did Jesus respond? He said, feed my sheep or tend my lambs. Again, who's he talking about? He's talking about people. He's talking about pouring into people. And that is what we're to be doing as we're fulfilling the Great Commission until Jesus comes. And, and what does he say is going to be the reward uh, of, of those whom Jesus finds doing uh, his work as faithful servants? Well, uh, guess what? It's not going to be a nicer cloud. It's not going to be a bigger harp. Uh, as some might envision that. No, uh, it, it's not going to be a million years vacation on, the, on a beautiful island somewhere. No, the, 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 the blessing he tells us here, notice he says, uh, he said in verse, um, uh, again, 44, truly I say that he will make him ruler over all that he has. So what is Jesus promising? He's promising greater opportunity for service. He's promising greater responsibility for service, even in eternity. So what are we going to be doing in eternity with Jesus? Well, we're going to be serving him and worshiping him. I remind you that service and worship are, are often used of the same thing in, in the word of God. We're going to be serving him. We're going to be worshiping him. But he's going to give us greater uh, responsibility even as we, as we serve him uh, and, and we'll enjoy doing that, joyfully serving him for eternity. So again, faithful stewards, man is their Lord's resources when Christ returns. We're doing that now. He finds us doing that until Christ returns. And then secondly, uh, unfaithful servants will be exposed and judged upon Christ's return. Again, verse, uh, verse 45, he says, but if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the unbelievers. So again, this person who, uh, who appears to be a servant in, in the eyes of some, who may have claimed to be a servant, 
in fact, is, is, is living like the master is not returning. So what is he doing? He's abusing other servants. Uh, he's indulging in sinful pleasure. He gives evidence that he really doesn't belong to the master. And so what happens when he comes? The Bible says that, again, the master, when he finds his unfaithful servant, not expecting him, instead of rewarding him, there's going to be severe punishment. This servant is not one of his. This servant is not a disciple. He may have claimed that, but he is not. Some believe this is a reference to, to Israel. But how do we know that, he's, that he's, uh, this is eternal punishment and not just a, a one-time thing? Well, when you read uh, the, the uh, companion passage in Matthew 24, where this same uh, parable is taught, uh, or same truth is taught, we read these words in, in the second part of Matthew 24, verse 51. He says, in, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is a reference always to hell. He is describing hell. These are words referring to eternal hell. And again, some believe this is a a reference to to Israel because they are referred to as the servant of the Lord, as God's servant. Uh, And they too, they they rejected the prophets. They they, they persecuted uh, the prophets. And of course, even to the point, the Bible says they they were used, uh, uh, they were instrumental in in the death of the Lord Jesus as they brought condemnation upon him. Uh, and and, and will be responsible largely for his death on the cross. But again, the application can be made to all who pretend to be servants but reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfaithful servants will be exposed and judged upon Christ's return. And then thirdly, the severity of judgment following Christ's return will be based on the light one has been given. Uh, Scripture teaches that... uh, that we know that there are degrees of, of blessing or, or, or um, reward or for those who serve the Lord in heaven based on uh, faithful service and based on stewardship. We see that in Scripture. Uh, but also this passage and, and others seem to indicate that there are degrees of severity of punishment in hell based on the light or the truth that has been given. Uh, you know, people often ask the question, well, will they, what about the people who never hear the gospel? Will they go to hell as well? And uh, scripture teaches that we, that every one of us have been given a light. Uh, even those who don't hear the gospel are given light. Uh, when someone asked Spurgeon that question, you know, will people go to hell who, who don't hear the gospel? He said, I'm more concerned about us, those, those who claim to know Christ, who don't proclaim the gospel. Because again, again, when we know Christ and we've experienced the power of the gospel, we want others to know. And that's where our responsibility comes in as believers to, to take the gospel to the end of the earth, to the end of time. Uh, so yes, those who don't know Christ, those, even those who've not heard the gospel, yes, will go out into eternity without Christ. Uh, but, but again, this passage, verse 48, indicates that the servant who did not know yet was guilty will receive less severe punishment because he had less light. Again, Romans 1 indicates that we have the light of, uh, of creation. God's given the, the testimony and the witness of creation. He's also given us the light of our conscience that is an indication of our crea- being created in his image. He's given those, those aspects of light. Uh, so those who don't have as much light as others have less severe punishment. I believe this passage and others teach in hell. Uh, and again, verse 47 uh, indicates 
that this servant who knew the master's will heard the gospel but rejected Christ and therefore was not ready for his coming will suffer greater eternal punishment because they rejected the, the great light of the gospel that they were given. That's why, again, in, in this passage, he, he indicates that his, he, will be, uh, he will be severely beaten. Uh, and, and so that's what I believe this passage is, is indicating. And again, that certainly applied to those Jesus was speaking to, those uh, Pharisees and scribes, as we saw, the Sadducees, the religious people of that day who heard the gospel preached. They saw the miracles of the Lord Jesus and yet they saw that he fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament perfectly. He fulfilled them and yet they continued to reject him and even said, that's not enough. We need more miracles. We need more signs. And Jesus said, you'll not get another sign. He fully gave them the, the, the reality of who he was and yet they hardened their heart against him and they rejected him. So certainly it applies to the, to the Jews. It applies to those of his day. But dear friend, what about people of this day? What about people perhaps in this very room today who have even more light than those individuals had who've heard the gospel over and over and over and said, no, no, no. Maybe like these unfaithful servants, you may, have, have, you may pretend that you have a relationship with Christ. You may pretend that you know Christ, but you continue to harden your heart against the gospel. You know, oftentimes we'll, we'll make statements like this. We'll hear about a, a wicked person, and they really are wicked. And, and we'll hear about all the terrible, wicked things they have done. And we'll hear people make a statement like this. There's a hot spot in hell for that man. There's a hot spot in hell for that woman. Well, dear friend, I want you to know that those who hear the precious gospel, many of whom today have never had the privilege of hearing once the name of Jesus, never having heard the gospel, never heard it, but yet those who would hear the gospel over and over and over again, and yet harden their heart and say no to Jesus and say no to the gospel, there's a hot spot in hell for them as well. And dear friend, I don't say that with delight, I say that today with a broken heart, and it should break all of our hearts for people we know who hear the gospel and continue. Now, what will we do? We will continue to plead with God for those who reject the gospel. Some of you in this room today who don't know Christ, we continue to plead with God that he will open the blinders. As I read in my scripture uh, Bible reading this morning in 2 Corinthians, that we will, we will pray that, that, that Satan who has blinded your eyes, that, that, he, that God will, uh, will enable you to see the glorious gospel so that you would repent, so that you would come to faith in Christ. We we will continue to uh, plead with God on your behalf, and we will continue to plead with you as we proclaim the gospel to you and, and, and ask you to repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ, surrender to him as your Lord. We will continue to do that. But oh, dear friend, I must, I must as a faithful preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, I must plead with you today. I must warn you, I must warn you of the danger of hardening your heart, of hardening your heart against God and against the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, in verse 48, he says, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. And then listen to this warning, and you can read more of this passage in Hebrews chapter 10. I'll read just one verse, verse 29. How much worse punishment 
do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? So I would plead with you today, do not, do not harden your heart. Repent, turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ, surrender to Jesus as your Lord while you hear his voice today. We plead with you to do that. The story is told that President Dwight Eisenhower was vacationing in Denver, Colorado, and he'd heard that in that city there was a a young man there who had cancer, and that he had a wish uh, to be able to see and meet the president. And, and so one morning, I think a Saturday morning, uh, the presidential limousine pulled up in front of this young man's house, only six years old, by the way. And uh, the president got out of the limousine. He went to the front door. He knocked on the door. The dad, not expecting the president's arrival, opened the door, And the little boy came and he got to meet the president. He went out to the limousine. The president showed him the limousine. And the president wished him well and then went on his way. You see, the the thing about that visit that day, that father was, was, was excited that his son got to meet the president, but he didn't know the president was coming. He had on his old Saturday work clothes. You know, he hadn't had a shower and he hadn't had a shave. And he thought, man... It was so wonderful that he came, but how, what a way to greet the president. I was unprepared. I was so ashamed that I wasn't ready when he came. He was not ready, and therefore he was ashamed. We think about that passage in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, that says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him at his coming. You see, God tells us to live in such a way that we are ready when Christ returns so that we do not have to be ashamed before him when he comes. What about you today? As we conclude this message, I want to ask you again, are you ready? Are you ready for Christ's return should he come today? This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.